Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, dear brothers and sisters. We are continuing together with the study of the letter that the Apostle Shaul Paul wrote to the Corinthian saints. And I would like you please to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I would like to read for this ministry meeting from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 1 to 24. And so I'm reading, Paul is now continuing to minister to the Corinthians by saying, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission, and not of commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I commend, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but end, if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. But the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. 
else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God has distributed to every man, as the Lord has called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Are thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also, he that is called being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. And I will stop here, beloved brothers and sisters, with the reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 24. It is very interesting, beloved brothers and sisters, that when we arrive to the seventh chapter, from here on, from chapter 7, verse 1, to the end of the letter that Shaul Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the apostle is responding to questions that were asked when he received the those that came to him to share with him what was going on in the uh, in the local assembly at Corinth. So the apostle Shaul Paul is responding now to all the questions that he was asked by those who came to share with him about the condition that existed in the local assembly at Corinth. And so it is very interesting how the apostle is wisely and carefully and graciously share with the Corinthians the importance of continuing to follow the Lord. And I would like you to notice that as we have mentioned earlier, that the Corinthian believers had many, many problems. In fact, we can see that throughout the whole letter that the apostle is writing to the Corinthians, there were plenty of problems that existed in this assembly. We have mentioned earlier, beloved brothers and sisters, that in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, there was 
problems concerning unity. There was divisions among the Corinthian believers, though they were saints of God, they were set apart by God, they were chosen, they were elected, they were part of the ecclesia, the assembly, and yet, in a practical way, they were divided. In chapter 5, we had the a moral condition. There was uh, immorality and they needed to be corrected on that. In chapter 6, there was an issue with taking one another to court. Believers were taking one another to court and that is a, a sad situation because they went to the unbelieving courts and as believers who were supposed to be a testimony for the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, they were not and therefore that was friction among themselves. They were abusing one another. They were treating one another in a very, very poor way. In fact, we have already mentioned that in chapter 6, that he said, Dare ye have any matter against one another and go to, to the law before the unjust and not before the saints? And then now from here on in chapter 7, chapter 7, there was an issue with the marriage and the apostle Shaul Paul is addressing it in chapter 8. 9 and 10, they had to do with the liberties, the freedom that the believers have. They were putting one another into some sort of a bondage, and they did not understand the liberty that they have in Christ, in Messiah. In chapter 11, there was issue of the Lord's table, of the remembrance of the Lord. And instead of remembering the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and His death, burial, and resurrection, they were um, using all sorts of special meals together. They were not waiting on one another. And of course, in chapter 12, 13, and 14, there was an issue with the spiritual gifts that God had given to every believer. They were pride, and they were using in a wrong way the the gifts that were given unto them, and we will get to speak about it later on. And of course, in chapter 15, the truth of the resurrection, some did not believe even in their resurrection. And finally, in chapter 16, the things with respect to support and money for the things of the Lord. And so, here we are, beloved brothers and sisters, we are now in chapter 7, and you will notice in chapter 7, the apostle is responding to questions that were asked. Notice that in chapter 7 and verse 1, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. Apparently, they wrote something in a, a letter with many questions that they had in, in relationship to their situation in their local assembly. And now the apostle Shaul Paul is going to respond to the questions that they ask. Notice in chapter 7 and verse 25, there he's dealing with the issue. Notice again, verse 25, now concerning virgins or unmarried or the sing single people. He's going to deal with the married. In chapter 7, verses 1 to 24, he's dealing with the Married in chapter 7, verse 25 to 40, will deal with, give instruction concerning those that are single. Notice in chapter 8 and verse 1, there he is responding to a question that they had concerning a food that is offered to idols. Notice chapter 8, verse 1, now con as touching the things offered unto idols. And here he is a, a dealing with liberties that the believers have and to have proper understanding of the liberty that we have in Christ, in Mashiach. 
in chapter 12, notice that verse 1, we do read concerning the spiritual gifts. And so he's saying, now concerning, chapter 12 and verse 1, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. So he's going to answer them in chapter 12, 13, and 14, concerning the spiritual gifts. That was another question that the believers at Corinth ask the Apostle Shaul as they send him these questions. And of course, in chapter 16 and verse 1, notice that again, how interesting. In chapter 16 and verse 1, we do read, now concerning the collection for the saints. And and so, beloved brothers and sisters, in these verses, from chapter 7 to chapter 16, the Apostle Shaul Paul is dealing with various subject that the believers at Corinth had questions about. And don't you feel, beloved brothers and sisters, uh, all of us who are believers in the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, we have many, many, many questions as believers. How do we, how do we walk here in this world? How do we handle various situations in our life? And specifically now, in chapter 7, verses 1 to 24, the apostle Shaul Paul gives instruction concerning those that are already married. And so you notice in verses 1 to 9, the apostle gives them a general information. And then he's dealing with divorce in verses 10 to 16. And ultimately, in verses 17 to 24, he gives the principles that all need to know uh, here in this world. A general principle that we all need to know here as we walk here in this world. In other words, principles concerning the social status of the people of God here upon the face of this earth. Every one of us live in a different country, in a different society, different uh, occupation, different family, different status of life. And therefore, in verses 17 to 24, he will present before the Corinthians some principles as to the situation that each one finds in their social life. Every believer is in this world. And so, let's look a little bit here in the... It begin right at the beginning, verses 1 to verse 11. And so you notice now, beloved brothers and sisters, that in verse 6, 10, 12, and 25, we find that the Paul points to what he did not hear from the Lord, or the Lord Jesus the Messiah did not mention that when he was here on earth, and it's not found in the gospel. And sometimes because of these verses, some people take this seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians and says, you see, this is not the word of the Lord, it is the word of the apostle Paul, a word of men, and therefore it is not an important chapter. Notice, let me read you these verses, 1 Corinthians 7 First of all, in verse 6, he said, But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. Notice in verse 10, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife, and he continued to give. Notice it says, I command, yet not I. So he's using here 
in this portion of scripture some statement that he said, I am giving this instruction. It's not an instruction that the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus have spoken when he was here on earth. So I'm giving this advice. And of course, because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, holy men of God, speakers, they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. He was not his own personal opinion, but he was guided by the Holy Spirit of God. A little bit further down, beloved uh, brothers and sisters, in verse 12, listen to this verse. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Notice that? The rest speak I, not the Lord. In other words, it sounds like, and that's why some might say uh, that it's really not the Lord. In other words, it's not the Lord. The Lord didn't say it, I'm saying it, and therefore... Some might say, "No, no, it's not the it's not the Lord, and therefore it is not important. We can, we don't want to submit to this uh, chapter." And then, of course, as we read a little bit further down in verse twenty-five of First Corinthians chapter seven, there we read, "Notice that now concerning virgin, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment." You notice this. So when we read these verses, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, we have to realize that Paul does not give his own opinion unless he is guided by the Holy Spirit of God. It is still the word of the Lord. It is still inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Yet the Lord Jesus the Messiah in his life here on earth did not deal with this subject or did not point to this particular a situation, and therefore Paul is giving instruction because he received these questions from the people who came with a letter from Corinth with the question. That's why chapter 7 began, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, notice that, that in verses 1 to 11, The Apostle Paul is writing to believers who are married and he is dealing with questions concerning marriage, to married believers. In verses 12 to verse 24, the Apostle Paul is responding to the question concerning believers who are married to unbelievers. So, verses 1 to 11, Shaul Paul is giving instruction concerning believers who are married to other believers, but they have situation in their life, how to handle their lives now that they became Christian, they became Meshichim, followers of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. The same chapter 7, verses 12 to 24, he is writing again to believers but these believers, and, and they are married, but they may have come to know the Lord later on in their life while their spouses haven't yet become believers. And so notice this, how very interesting. Verses 1 to 11, the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, is responding to the question concerning how to handle a marriage. So, one of the questions that was asked there was, is it more spiritual to remain single or to be 
and married. In other words, what do we do now that we are married and we have accepted the Lord Jesus, the Messiah? He became our Lord, Mashiach, and Savior, and we become part of the body of Christ, the body of Messiah. How do we handle now life? And is it better to stay single or, in other words, or to divorce so I can be alone and I can serve the Lord more? Or what do we do? Do we stay married or do I get divorced in order that I can serve the Lord uh, more or better or uh, have more liberty to serve the Lord? Now, to remember, these are the Corinthians. The Corinthians, as he has already said to them in a previous chapter, if you remember in chapter 6, he says, don't you know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? This is verse 9. Be not deceived, neither the fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and effeminates and abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. So apparently many of the believers in the local assembly at Corinth were people who were worshipping other idols. They had much fornication and adultery and a, and idolatry and effeminate and abusing of, of themselves with mankind, homosexuality and all that which was going on in that uh, city of Corinth. It was a, a pagan a city. And therefore, there were all sort of things that were going on, idolatry and worship of, of idols and part of it had to do with sexual immorality. And therefore, the Apostle Paul need to uh, wisely to communicate with Believers that have been one to the Lord Jesus from this kind of lifestyle. And to remind you that when the apostle was writing, it was that the church, the assembly was about 30 years old, you might say, after the death and the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and the forming of the body of Christ, the body of Messiah in, in Acts chapter 2 in the city of Jerusalem. And when the gospel went to all the nations of the world, and not immediately, it took a few years until the early Jewish believers went to preach the gospel in Asia Minor. And, and believers, localities became believers in the Lord Jesus the Messiah, forming an assembly. So it was early days of the ecclesia, of the assembly. And coming from all sort of paganism and this kind of lifestyle, they, they needed the Lord's help. They needed a guidance from the Lord. So uh, what the Apostle Paul is doing, he is now giving these instructions to the Corinthians, seeking to help them, to help them to be guided uh, by the principles that are found in Scripture. So now notice that. In verses 1 and 2, the apostle is writing, and he says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. You notice what he began with, because apparently, as we read in verse 1, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, apparently some wrote unto him and said, Well, Paul, what should we do? 
I'm married, now I want to serve the Lord, I want to live for the Lord, and so what should I do? If marriage is, is good and or bad, or what should I do? I want to serve the Lord, and I want to live for the Lord. So what to do? And so Paul gives them instruction. It is better to marry in order to avoid sexual immorality. That's what he's really saying to them. And remember, of course, he's speaking to the married, but perhaps some were even asking, well, should I get then married even? Because I become a saved, I became a believer, I want to live for the Lord, I want to serve the Lord, what should I do? So Paul, Shaul Paul is answering, concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, and nevertheless, notice that, nevertheless, to avoid sexual immorality, fornication, let every man have his own wife. Notice that? Every man has his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Some, even in the Corinthian condition, might have had more than one wife or, and, and even more than one husband. And so to have your own wife, you have your own husband. Just realize this, beloved uh, brothers and sisters, that some felt that it may be even good to stay unmarried and if I will stay unmarried, I will uh, be able to serve the Lord better. I'll have more time because there is a responsibility involved in, in having family, having w- husband, wife, children. So the first two verses deal with the thought of it's better not to touch a woman, but nevertheless to avoid fornication. Every man, let every man have his own wife and let her Every woman have her own husband. Now, do you remember, beloved brothers and sisters, that when Yeshua was here on earth before his death, burial, and resurrection, he was instructing there among the people of Israel in in Judea, beyond the Jordan there, he was instructing the disciples when the Pharisees, of course, came to him, they tempted him and so on, and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause. And you remember how he answered to them, have you not read? He was called, of course, the Lord, of course, who is God, the Son. He is the one that instituted married already in the Garden of Eden when God had taken Adam and put him to sleep and built out of his rib Isha, a woman, and he brought the Isha, the, the woman, to the man, to Adam. And if you remember in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and so he is quoting, have you not read? Remember, the new covenant was not yet, the canon of the Brit HaKadoshah was not yet canonized. And therefore, the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah in his life, told to the Pharisees who came to challenge him, and as the disciples is listening to what he's saying, what he's teaching, he says that, that the one who made them at the beginning made them male and female. And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave, davak, davak, cleave, he glued to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, basar echad. In other words, when God have instituted the marriage in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden, He have instructed men that there would be one man, one woman, let a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his own wife, and the two will become one flesh. Wherefore, there are no more twain, but one flesh, what therefore God has joined together, 
let not man put asunder. So then, of course, they ask him, well, why did Moses then command to give writing of divorcement and to put her away? Deuteronomy chapter 24, the first few verses. And then again, Yeshua is answering. He said unto them, Moshe, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffer you to put away your wife, but from the beginning it was not so. In other words, he takes them back from the time that they were looking at what Moshe said years later, at the time before Israel had entered into the promise, and he takes them all the way back to creation, and he says, from the beginning it was not so. And I said to you that whosoever should put away his wife except for, notice that, except for fornication, that's the only ground for divorce, he said, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marries her which is put away, does commit adultery. And then notice that here's the disciples. In Matthew 19, verse 10, the disciples said unto him, If the cause of a man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. If that's the situation, then it might as well don't get married. So Yeshua is teaching them beautiful instruction in verse 11 and 12 of Matthew chapter 19. He said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. Then he gave this truth concerning the three types of eunuchs, or sarisim, a saris is one who is castrated or one who is unable to marry. One is unable to produce children. And so we read in verse 12, For there are some eunuchs which were born, so born from their mother's womb. That's the first group of eunuchs, of sarisim. And then we read, but there are some eunuchs, Sarisim, the second group, which were made eunuchs of men. In other words, the first group of eunuchs, they were born like that. There are those that were born with inability to marry, have children, produce children in their life. The second one, there were Sarisim, eunuchs that were made by someone else who evil enough to take away their ability to bring children and to have marriage and have sexual desire to fulfill their marriage, they were, in a sense, inflicting upon them to become eunuchs. And, of course, like as it happened in days of old, when the Jewish boys were taken from Judea to by Babylon and other nations, if you remember that in order to serve in Nebuchadnezzar's palace, they had to become Sarisim, they made them eunuchs. But then notice that there is a third group of eunuchs that Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, is speaking about. He says, but there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Another one in verse 12, the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, instructed the disciples that there are three kinds of eunuchs a sarisim in Hebrew, the one that were born like so, the one that were made like so, and the one that made themselves so. They, they are so devoted to the things of the Lord, and the Lord had given them that gift to be able to remain uh, unmarried, not to have 
this uh, natural uh, fulfillment within the marriage and not to have a family and to devote themselves completely to the Lord. And so notice that, again, beloved brothers and sisters, in this very interesting portion of Scripture, Paul is saying concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, verses 1 and 2, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Why? Because there is always a danger of falling into sexual sin because of the natural desire that God had given to both men and women to be fulfilled within marriage, and there is always a danger that one fall into it, and therefore to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Then in verses 3 and 4, beloved brothers and sisters, we find out that the apostle continue, and he gives the Corinthians the understanding that it is very important to have a right attitude in marriage relationship. So notice he says in verse 3 and 4, now he's speaking again to the married, and he's saying, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto her husband. The wife has no authority, no power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has no power of his own body, but the wife. You see, in verses 3 and 4, he's speaking to the married believers, and he's helping them to see that in a marriage relationship, one must have the right attitude, and to govern the lives of the believers with that right attitude in the marriage relationship. In other words, understand that there is a natural, God-given, natural desire that was given to a husband and to a wife with respect to the physical relationship in marriage. And therefore, let the husband render unto his wife the due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto her husband. And then in verse 4, Shaul Paul is emphasizing the fact that within the marriage, really, in verse 4, the wife does not have any authority of her own body, because now she's united to her husband. And therefore her body belongs to her husband, and vice versa in verse 4b, but the husband, he says also, likewise, also the husband has no power over, over his own body but the wife. In other words, the husband and wife in their happy and healthy marriage relationship must recognize that the, each one's body belongs to the other and why? Because, again, as he mentioned in verse 2, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man... In other words, there's always these dangers, and Satan is so crafty in that he knows the weakness of the flesh, the desires of the heart, the need of every person. Therefore, to have a proper attitude to govern the marriage relationship is very important. And therefore, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul has directed the attention of the Corinthian to the importance of having proper attitude to govern us in our own in marriage. Then he continued, Paul, in verses 5 and 6, and notice that if there will be any abstinence, it must be in an appropriate time and for appropriate reason 
and not for too long time because there is that natural desire that a man and a woman receive from the Lord with respect to the physical relationship between husband and wife. And therefore, in verses 5 and 6, if you have to abstain, it is appropriate, but not to make it too long for a short time. And uh, the reason is there may be some special circumstance in life, such as issues and problems and concern that one might want devote to devote himself or herself to fasting and prayer. And so notice what we read in verses 5 and 6. Defraud not one another, except it be with consent, for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again that Satan tempt you not, for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission, and not of commandment. So Paul gives this counsel. He knows that there is that danger that Satan will be the one that will seek to tempt them and to cause the people of God to stumble. Satan is indeed the one who is shooting darts in order to cause the people of God to walk away from the Lord, not to honor Him. And if we realize what's going on today in the in a professing church with respect to marriage, how many divorces have happened and how many uh, situations that broke marriage and relationship and families that Satan was used the flesh in us, in, in the life of God's people to cause God's people to stumble and to fall. And so Paul is giving these instructions to the Corinthian believers in order to help them to realize uh, the importance of having appropriate attitude in their marriage relationship. Notice in verses 7, 8, and 9, Paul is continuing to say that living the single life with self-control is really a gift from God. So uh, the unmarried and the widows should marry if they cannot exercise self-control. And so I'm reading verse 7, For I would that all men were even as I myself. Well, apparently, beloved brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul may have been a widower that is now is alone, and is, by the grace of God, he received the gift, the ability to continue to serve the Lord without being married again. And therefore, you notice that he said, I would that all men were even as I myself. Why? Because he could serve the Lord fully and uh, devote himself entirely to the life of the service for the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Minister to the various assemblies, share the gospel, uh, shepherd the sheep, and be there to help God's people to develop the, the various assemblies, the various congregations in various localities. So he said, verse 7, I would that all men were even as I myself, but, notice that, verse 7b, every man has his proper gift. Notice this expression, proper gift. Because God gives these gifts, even the ability to be single in one's life, it is a gift 
as we have already read in Matthew 19, what the word of Yeshua, the Messiah, who said, And there be eunuchs, Sarisim, which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they made themselves, they devoted themselves, but the Lord have gifted them with the ability to remain single. But then notice he said, one after this manner and another after that, verse 7. But then he continued, verse 8, I say therefore unto the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But, verse 9, if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. The apostle Shaul Paul was very, very practical. He knew how man is in a need of this natural, physical, sexual relationship within the marriage union. And he knew that. So he's speaking. Now he says, I wish all would be like me. And those that are like me, who is now, was married, he was perhaps most likely have been a widower, because he was part of the Sanhedrin, and the members of the Sanhedrin were married. And now that he is without a wife, and the Lord have enabled him to remain single, that was a gift from God. And therefore, now if there are those who can be like that, they can be eunuchs, without devoting themselves, receiving the gift from God, devoting themselves to be serving the Lord in a full-time sense of the word, in that they don't have to be responsible over wives and children and family, which makes it easier for them to spend more time for the things of the Lord. He said, if you can't contain, if you can't contain, then let them marry, because it is better to marry than to burn. It is very interesting that in verse 8, the apostle included, in verse 8, I say therefore unto the unmarried, but also in widows. That he's speaking, the widow, the husband and wife have passed away, and he was most likely a widower, that he set an example, and he said, I wish, I would, that all men were even as I myself, but every man has his proper gift from God. And therefore, beloved brothers and sisters, in verses 7, 8, and 9, living a single life with self-control is a gift from God, so unmarried and widows should marry if they cannot exercise self-control. And it is only God who is enable the single person, the unmarried or the widow or the widower, he gives a gift to enable them to remain alone and to continue as believers to serve the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, notice that in verse 10 and 11, as Shaul, Paul specifically dealing with believers who are married to, to other believers, he continues, he said in verse 10 and 11, a wife should not depart from a husband if she does let her remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband is not to divorce his wife. Notice he's speaking to believers. And unto the married. These are the married, the believers. He says, I commend 
Yet not I, but the Lord. And you know, he makes a reference, of course, to what the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, said already in Matthew chapter 19. You remember, they ask him, is it lawful to put away one's wife for every cause? And Yeshua gave them an answer. Have you not read, quoting the book of Bereshit, the book of Genesis, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That's what was from the beginning. Moses in chapter 24 have given this instruction because of the hardness of the hearts of his people. And so that's how the Lord says. Later on, if you remember when he was speaking to the disciples, he would give them this instruction concerning the marriage and divorce. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, unto the married, he's saying here, I command yet not I but the Lord. And that is oftentimes a reference to what the Lord Jesus the Messiah have have spoken in the time when he was here with his disciples. But notice that it is important to bear in mind that God hates divorce. You know, divorce is very painful. Divorce have brought about so much damage to families, to children. You remember what God said to the people of Israel in the latter days of the history of Israel, before there was a silence of 400, 450 years in a decline. This is a decline. The latter days of the nation of Israel prior to the coming of the Messiah. And of course, the Messiah was not accepted by the nation at his first coming. You remember what we read in Malachi in chapter 2 in verse 11. We read, Judah has dealt treacherously. And an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the holiness of the Lord which he loved and has married the daughter of strange gods. In other words, there was a married of the unbelieving Gentile nations who believed in other gods, and God said they profaned the holiness of the Lord which Judah profaned the holiness of the Lord. A little bit later on in the same second chapter of Malachi, we do read, notice that, beloved brothers and sisters, in these uh, verses in 14, 15, and 16, Yet ye say, Wherefore? Because the Lord has been a witness between thee and the wife of thy youth. God is observing the marriage union against whom thou hast dealt treacherously unfaithfully. Yet is she the, thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he made the residue of the Spirit, and why one, that he might seek a godly seed? Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal unfaithfully or treacherously against the wife of his youth. Verse 16 of Malachi chapter 2. For the Lord 
the God of Israel says that he hateth putting away. He hateth putting away. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 16. So beloved brothers and sisters, notice then what Paul is telling the Corinthians. To remind you, of course, the Corinthians were in the early days of the church age. They were saved out of paganism. And now they've been brought in, and the apostle is instructing them, and he says, Unto the married I command, verse 10, 1 Corinthians 7, 10, Yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. That word for depart has to do with divorce. Don't you divorce your husband. And again, the only ground for divorce in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19 is the immorality. Remember in uh, Matthew chapter 19, when we've read about the eunuchs, and there the Lord Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 19, in verse 9, I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. So the Lord does not want divorce, because divorce is that which is not honoring God. God hates divorce. So, but if she depart, in other words, if there will be a departure, let her remain unmarried. Then, he says, oh, be reconciled to her husband. Why? Because God hates divorce. And it's better if there is no sexual immorality, if there is no ground for divorce. Therefore, if you depart because of one thing or another that happened because of abuse and whatever it may may have happened, well, he says, let them remain unmarried or reconciled to a husband and let not the husband put away his wife. And again, putting away wife, as we read in Matthew chapter 19, for any cause, there was some way to put a wife away for any cause. And the ground, the scripture teaches us that the only ground for divorce is fornication. And therefore, the Lord Jesus mentioned this in chapter 19 of the Gospel of Matthew. And here the Apostle Paul said in verse 10 and 11, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. When you think about the condition of the church today, it's kind of very, very sad, because we learn from statistics that almost every second marriage is broken in the professing church today. And it's almost like the same as the world population with respect to the marriage. And we live in a time that, uh, of the Laodicean days that shows us how Satan attacked not only the unbelieving world, but also the people of God. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, now in verses 12 on, from verse 12 to verse 24, The Apostle Paul continues now, and he is dealing now with believers who are married to unbelievers, and then he gives some, he provides a general information concerning the status of every person here in this world. In other words, 
He gives us now in these verses how to relate, first of all, verses 12 to 24, in a relationship between man and a woman, husband and wife, where one of them is a believer and the other one is not. And so you notice in verse 12 and 13, believers are not to divorce their unbelieving spouses. He says in verse 12, But to the rest speak I, not the Lord, if a brother has a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. In other words, if you are married, if a believer is married to an unbeliever, and, and if she is uh, his wife is willing to continue to live with him, don't put her away. See, the Corinthians asking these questions because they said, well, okay, I became a child of God. I'm a believer. Now what should I do with my wife? She's not a believer. But what he's saying, don't change all these things right now. She's your wife. Don't put her away if she's willing to remain with you. Verse 13, and a woman which has a husband that believes not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. In other words, don't put your uh, your husband or don't leave your husband because he is not a believer as yet. You see, many of the Corinthians who were unbelievers and married already, some of them have heard the message of the gospel, accepted the Lord, but not both husband and wife. Wonderful if both have accepted the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, as their Lord and Savior, and established a home for God. But it did not happen all the time. Some become believers, and their spouses are still unbelievers. So in verses 12 and 13, the believer is not to divorce the unbelieving husband or unbelieving wife. They are to remain if they are willing to stay with them. He continues, notice that in verse 14, he gives us reason. In fact, verse 14 and verse 15 and verse 16, here are some reasons why the, the one that are married to unbelieving spouse, why they should not divorce them or not leave them. Here's the reason. Number one, verse 14, because of the fact that the unbeliever is sanctified through the believer in that home. Notice this, I'm reading verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is set apart. The word for sanctified means mekudash, set apart, being in a setting, in a home where he can hear the message of the word of God. The unbelieving husband is under the influence of the believing wife. So for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Now are they set apart. In other words, beloved brothers and sisters, when an unbelieving person, even unbelieving children, are in a home of one single person who is a believer there, especially in the context here, either the husband or the wife, what happened, they are under the umbrella, we might say, of the opportunity to be able to listen to the gospel, to have godly influence, and they are sanctified, they are set apart. They are not saved, of course, they need to accept the Lord, 
but they are sanctified, they are set apart, they are in a position when they are blessing can flow to them and they may come to know Yeshua the Messiah. And the children, when he says, or else were your children unclean, but now they are holy, they are not holy in the sense that they are saved and forgiven. They have to confess their own sins. But they are under the influence of the believing parent. And that is wonderful to understand. How wonderful to have those that have come to know the Lord and they became a channel to, uh, in a godly way to lead their children or to lead their spouse to come to know Yeshua the Messiah. Another reason is found in verse 15. Why? Here's another reason why the believers are not to divorce their unbelieving spouses. Here in verse 15, why? Because if the unbeliever depart, the believer is not under bondage. In other words, if there is no sexual immorality, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage. This bond of marriage is no longer there if the unbelieving uh, depart, whether it is the man or the woman, if they depart. The brother, notice, a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us unto shalom, unto peace. In other words, if the unbeliever just simply depart because they don't want anymore to live with the believer. Well, let them depart if they don't want to remain. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us unto peace. There is a verse in Romans chapter 7, in verses 1 and 2, we read these words. Listen to these. We read in verses 1 and 2, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them, that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law of her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Now, of course, in this case, what we have here in verse 15, is that when a brother spouse, a believer who is, is following the Lord and their spouse, whether it is a husband or a wife, depart, well, let them depart. They are not the one who breaking the bond of marriage. It is their unbelieving spouses who do so by departing. God have called us unto peace. They broke the bond of marriage. That's the thing to understand from this verse. In verse 16, here's the third reason. Why? Believers are not to divorce or leave their unbelieving spouses. The third reason in verse 16, because there is a possibility to lead the unbeliever to salvation. And so we read in verse 16, beloved brothers and sisters, For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O men, whether thou shalt save thy wife? In other words, it's not the believers that saves, but the believer is the channel through whom the unbeliever will be exposed to the message of the gospel and come to know the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, as their Lord and Savior. So 
You don't know if, if it will be happening. You don't know. You may be used by God to lead your spouse to the Lord. There is a possibility to lead the unbelievers unto salvation if you do not depart from them, remain with them as long that there is an acceptance. We read in First Peter chapter 3, in verses 1 to 6, speaking to the wives, Likewise, wives, be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, another one, any who is not a believer, they also may without the word be won by the behavior, by the conversation of the wife, while they behold your pure and modest, chaste conversation, this pure and modest behavior, coupled with fear, fearing God, whose adornment is not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden person, the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of a great price. In other words, in these few verses in First Peter chapter 3, Peter is mentioning to the believing wives to know how to behave and they may be used by the Lord to win their unbelieving husbands to come to know the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. So, beloved brothers and sisters, in 1 Corinthians 7 verses 12, To verse 16, the apostle is directing the attention of the Corinthian to how they are to behave towards their unbelieving spouses. And so he concluding this section, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 17 to verse 24, by providing a general information, there is no need for a believer to change their social status here in this world because now they are believers. And therefore, he's giving a very important lesson here, beloved brothers and sisters. Be who you are, but live for God here in this world. Wherever you are, the principles that are to govern Every believer, wherever they are, they may live in another country, they may be in a different status in life, rich and poor, male and female, a Jewish and Gentile, a slave and free. They may live in various nations, various countries with a different uh, situation and social status. And so notice this. In verse 17, the apostle is saying that the Lord has called each one of us in his or her situation in life, and they are not to shake everything and to cause all kind of havoc because they became believers, because believers have an internal change in their own hearts. And wherever we are, we are to live for God as we are. We are not to be conformed to this world, not to be conformed to anything that is against God, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. As we read, as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, uh, in verses 1 and 2, and if you remember, Paul said already, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or your intelligent service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So notice in these verses, verses 17 to 24, what we read. As God have called each one of us, let us live where God called you and what God called you. And so you notice verse 17. But as God has distributed to every man, as the Lord has called everyone, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches, all congregation, all assemblies. Notice this expression, let him walk and so ordain I in all the churches. In other words, as God have distributed, wherever God had placed you, walk for God where you are in society. Don't try to change and to cause havoc where you are, but lead godly life and lead others to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And then he gives us an example. An example in with respect to Jewish people and Gentiles. Notice what he says in verse 18, 19, and 20. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. A Jewish person does not need to be a Gentile in order to be saved or to live like the Gentile or the believers from among the nation. He is Jewish. He lives in Jewish society. He is to live for the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, within among his own people. Let him not become uncircumcised. And then he reversing it. Is any call uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. A gentle believer does not need to become Jewish in order for him to live life for the Lord Jesus the Messiah, wherever he or she are. In verse 19, circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. Circumcision is a mark that God made with the children of Israel, it's a covenant that he made with Abraham and his descendants. It's the sign of the covenant that God gave to the people of Israel. He didn't give it for salvation. He gave it as a sign of the covenant. In Genesis chapter 17, it is a sign of the covenant between God and Abraham and his descendants. But the gentle believers don't need to be circumcised. Circumcision is really any, an external sign. It is not anything internal. And so notice, keeping the commandment, follow the Lord wherever you are. In verse 20, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. We are to give liberty to one another, not to make another me and, and me another. We are to give liberty to each believer to be who he is and who she is in Christ, in the Messiah, in the Lord, and live for the Lord Jesus in their social status. In verse 21, in verse 22, we read the slaves. In, notice the example now with those who were slaves in Rome, in the Roman Empire. He says in verse 21, Are thou called being a servant, a slave, a doulos? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord. Free men likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. 
we are slaves, if we were servants in our status of life in those days, as whatever we are in these days of ours today, we are to remain without to cause any problems, without to cause any havoc. We, are, we need not to change our social status and cause all sort of havoc, but to preach the message of the gospel, to love the people around us, to share with them the love of the Lord Jesus the Messiah wherever we are. And finally, beloved brothers and sisters, in verses 23 and 24, ye are bought with a price. Remember that we all have been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 23 and 24, where Paul, Shaul says, Brethren, every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. Notice that? In other words, verse 23 says already, Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, verse 24, Let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. Three times he is using this expression. Verse 17, verse 20, and verse 24. Abide where you have been, where you are here in this social a status of your life, abide, remain there, be faithful to the Lord. You have been bought with a price, whoever you are, Jewish and Gentile, male and female, bond and free, remain who you are. You are part of the ecclesia. You don't need to become something else and just remain, but be faithful to the Lord in your social situation. And so we are Concluding with this verse 23 and 24, ye are bought with a price. What was the price? The Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, paid a price when he died for us on the tree. And you remember Peter said in 1 Peter 1, he said he reminded his readers in verse 18, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Mashiach, of Messiah, is of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last time for you. Beloved brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 7 verses 1 to 24 the Apostle Shaul Paul was dealing, verses 1 to 11, with the ones that are married to believers. How to relate in a marriage union, believers with believers. And then verses 12 to 24, how believers are to relate to their spouses who are not believers and to know how to relate to them. Praise God. Praise God for the goodness of God in providing for us the salvation through the person of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Well, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, until the next time, God bless you, and we say to you, Shalom, Shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. 
Gideon teaches God's word from a Hebrew messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Thank you.